The Holy Father is in Mexico, and I've been thinking a lot about the history of the Catholic Church in Mexico. I don't know what most people know about Mexico, and a lot of what we hear in the news is that there's a lot of violence. But generally, the Catholic Church is strong in Mexico. But it wasn't always like that. For many years, at the beginning of the 20th century, there was great persecution of the Church in Mexico. In fact, that's the background for a new film coming out in June called For Greater Glory. The film deals with Mexico's Cristero War, which broke out in 1926 because of the state's campaign of religious persecution. The film forces us to ask the question, what price would you pay for freedom? religious freedom in particular, and it highlights the courageous men and women of Mexico who suffered torture and death under an oppressive government. The Cristero period is one that all Catholics should know about. It is a story that shows how church-state relations can go wrong and what the proper response to government suppression of religion is. The film is backed by the Knights of Columbus, but it is a major Hollywood production with a star-studded lineup that includes Eva Longoria, Andy Garcia, Peter O'Toole, Ruben Blades, and Eduardo Verastegui. There may not be state-sanctioned persecution of the church in Mexico anymore, but it does exist in other countries. So let this film be a reminder to all of us that religious freedom should be treasured and defended at all costs. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello, and welcome to Salt and Light Radio Part 1. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. With me is Chris Dimitrenko, and today, as always, we have our Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Sheridan will be here with our diocesan update, and Jillian Cantor will also be, be with us to tell us what her kids taught her this week. That's in about 20 minutes. And Chris, what are our headlines today? Well, Pedro, there was a major appointment for Canada, and it was quite a surprise. Also, the Pope continues his third trip to the Americas and Cuba and mm -hmm. Mexico. And finally, the Vatican released a report uh, that comes at the end of a very long investigation into the abuse crisis in Ireland. Right, yeah, so mm -hmm. good. So details on those stories are yeah. coming right up. But first, uh, Chris, y you're familiar with the book, How Far Can We Go? Yes, yeah, great book. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a good book. I, I believe Red you, you actually and Leah Perot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're very excited. We've been talking about this book for about a month now, and uh, finally we're going to be talking to Brett and Leah about their book and their approach to... Uh, to how they uh, address the the Catholic teaching on dating and relationships mm -hmm. for, for teens. So we're very excited about that. That's going to be in our second half hour. And I also know that you know Joe Zambone. Uh, yes, very well. You know him quite well. Yeah. And Joe is our featured artist of the week because he has a new album, mm -hmm. Sleeper Rise. And uh, I know a lot, lot of people like Joe's music, myself included, yourself included. For sure. Um, yeah, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, so uh, we'll also be speaking with Joe later on this week. And from that same album, Sleeper Rise, here is his song called The Giver. I love, he is my all in all 
see the lines you leave, they're never coming back, they never will return. And go away, we are all on our way back to the giver. And go away, and it could be a long while till you've won. And go away, come be alive, my lord. And go away, and it could be a long while till you come again. That was Joe Zambone with his song, The Giver, and we'll be speaking with Joe in the second half of the program in about 15 minutes, what our kids teach us with Jillian Cantor. But first, uh, Chris, so there was a major appointment uh, for the Canadian Church. That's right. Well, Pedro, there's only three cities in Canada which traditionally uh, the Archbishop becomes a cardinal. One of them Uh is... Toronto, and very recently our Archbishop of Toronto became a Cardinal, Cardinal, Cardinal Thomas Collins, um, as well as Quebec City, and uh, Mark Ouellette uh, th- was the Archbishop who became a Cardinal, Cardinal, and who he's now serving in the Vatican. And the third city is Montreal, mm-hmm. and uh, we knew this was coming for a while, that eventually there would be a change in Montreal, because uh, Cardinal Jean-Claude Turcotte was above the age of 75. And uh, sure enough, earlier this week, uh, his resignation was uh, finally accepted and uh, and his replacement was named. And it wasn't someone who, um, you know, often these appointments will go to someone who's a long serving bishop uh, in another sort of, uh, you know, very established yeah. diocese. And so I think that's what, what so a lot of people surprise? were expecting. Yeah. It was a surprise because it was um, one of the auxiliary bishops of Montreal who was chosen instead. And his name is uh, Bishop Christian Lepine. And uh, so not a lot of, not many people outside of Montreal know too much about him because he's actually only been a bishop for um, less than a year. Uh, he, his Episcopal ordination took place on September 10th of 2011. Yes. 
Now he's uh, he's reasonably young. He's uh, 60 years old. He's certainly a little older than the other auxiliary bishop of Montreal, who's about 40. And he does have experience in the Vatican, having worked in the uh, Congregation for uh, Divine Worship for, um, for I believe, two years. And he uh, is actually originally from Montreal, so he knows Montreal right. very well. Now, um, turning to the Vatican, uh, the Vatican finally released the report um, on their investigation of the abuse crisis in Ireland. And uh, they summarized the report um, with sort of an eight-page document summarizing it. And they said that, um, that they recognized serious shortcomings in the handling of accusations of the sexual, sexual abuse of minors. Uh, however, uh, they found that the bishops, clergy, and lay faithful are now doing an excellent job in creating safe environments for children today. So mm-hmm. problems in the past, but major improvements. But they did see some room for improvement still. They felt that uh, the bishops need to update their child protection guidelines there also needs to be a more consistent admissions criteria for seminarians. And finally, the third recommendation, uh, they, needed to f- need, they needed to formulate policies on how to best deal with clergy and religious accused of abuse. Mm-hmm. So there's more room for improvement. They also found that there was a tendency among clergy and, and laity as well to hold some unorthodox uh, views. And so there was concerns about the, the- theological formation going on in Ireland, and uh, they, the Vatican uh, felt that um, this could be an obstacle to renewal. Mm-hmm. Um, now, finally, uh, the Pope is in uh, Mexico mm-hmm. right now. Uh, it's his third trip to the Americas, having been to the United States and also to Brazil. And he landed um, in Leon in Mexico on Fred- Friday, and mm-hmm. he continues in Mexico um, right through Monday on Sunday tomorrow is is uh, the major mass in the uh, bicentennial park and then uh, from there on Monday he goes to Cuba and uh, certainly you know going from you know a predominantly Catholic country uh, to one that is a communist country where yeah. you know the religious um, uh, the church has you know undergone some persecution um, although there is sort of a warming of relations mm-hmm. um, with the government there it'll be really interesting to, to hear the Pope's messages and, yeah and how we're he all looking forward to that and how he deals with um, you know the religious freedoms in the country uh, whether he addresses the topic of the American embargo against Cuba so uh, it'll be interesting to look forward to mm-hmm. yeah we're we're all uh, we've been watching and we're looking forward to that uh, historic tri- trip to Cuba mm-hmm. thank you Chris Dimitrenko is our Salt and Light radio news producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, remember you can send us an email at radio at saltandlighttv.org. I'm Sister Marie Paul Curley from Windows to the Soul, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio to get some handy parenting tips. Stay tuned, because coming up is Jillian Cantor with what her kids taught her this week. But before that... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Andrew, who's our saint this week? Uh, Juan Diego. Oh, very appropriate with uh, the Holy Father's Yes, uh, exactly. Pope Benedict is in Mexico yeah. uh, as part of his apostolic voyage, and I thought there would be no better person in the church to highlight than Juan Diego. Okay. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Yes, Juan Diego. We begin with Juan Diego. He was born in 1474 in a small village north of Mexico mm-hmm. City. 
on December the 9th, uh, the year 1531, the native Mexican, Juan Diego, rose before dawn to walk 15 miles mm -hmm. to daily mass. Mm -hmm. And he lived a very simple life as a weaver, as a farmer, as a laborer. Um, that morning, as Juan passed Tepeyac Hill, have you ever been to Tepeyac yes, Hill? Yes, I have been. Okay. Yeah. He heard music and he saw a glowing cloud uh, that was coming out like a rainbow. Mm -hmm. And he heard a woman call out to him to come to the top of the hill. He saw a beautiful young woman who was dressed like an Aztec princess. Mm -hmm. Just picture that. She said she was the Virgin Mary and she asked Juan to tell the bishop to build a church on that site. We all know that uh, famous story. Yep. She said, um, more particularly Pedro, I vividly desire that a church be built on the site so that in it I can be present and give my love, give my compassion, help, and defense, for I am your most dev devoted mother, mm -hmm. to hear your laments and to remedy all your miseries, pains, and sufferings. Mm -hmm. So Juan turned around and he went and told the bishop about the story, and the bishop, understandably yeah, so, was very skeptical him, yeah. about it. Um, but he was kind of compassionate and kind at the same time. He told Juan, you know, you got to bring back you got to bring back some proof yeah. that it was actually our lady so before juan could go back to our lady he found out that his uncle was dying mm -hmm. and hurrying to get a priest juan missed his meeting with the lady the lady on the other hand met him on his path and told him that his uncle had been cured yeah so our lady told juan to climb to the top of the hill where they first met and Juan was was pretty shocked because he found flowers growing in frozen soil. It was winter, yeah. Yeah. He gathered them in his cloak and took them at once to the bishop. Mm -hmm. So with the bi what he went straight to the bishop, told him everything that had happened. He opened his cloak. The flowers then fell to the ground. And there it was. And there it was. Um, the bishop's eyes were just, they were just a glowing image of Our Lady uh -huh. on Juan's cloak. Yeah, imprinted on the cloak. Yeah. yeah. So soon after, after everything uh, developed, um, after all this had happened, a church was built on the site where Our Lady appeared, mm -hmm. and thousands of people converted to Christianity yeah. when mm. this story had broke. Millions, actually. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Our Lady of Guadalupe was declared the patroness of the Americas. Yep. And our, our excuse me, Our Lady of Guadalupe is is very big in Mexico. Yep. Not only just in Mexico, but around the world. She's huge in all over Latin America, but she's very, very mm -hmm. big in Mexico, yeah. All in all, when we look at Juan Diego's life, we know that he was in love with the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. um, and by special permission of the bishop, which in this case is very unusual, he received Holy Communion three times a week, which was highly unusual. At the time, yeah. yeah. So our uh, dear late Holy Father, Blessed John Paul II, praised Juan Diego for his simple but inspiring faith. Mm -hmm. St. Juan died on May 30th, 1548, mm -hmm. and he was only 74. Right. So, Pedro, if I might offer a suggestion for our listeners, uh, we're getting really close to celebrating Easter. I said that Juan walked 15 miles to attend Mass every day. So, um, how many miles are you going to walk to yeah, church every day? Yeah, but not only day. just that, but <laughs> maybe we should uh, lift up this this saint um, and look back at his example and what he did, and maybe, you know, uh, this story would inspire us to participate in a daily mass throughout the week. Maybe yeah. go to daily mass good idea. a little more often, uh, even though we're running very close to Easter. Yes. So. Very good. Thank you very much. Uh, Juan Diego, another great saint of the Americas. And Andrew Santos, another great saint expert.
uh, here at Salt and Light. In five minutes, what's happening across our country with Sheridan, so uh, stay tuned. Hi, my name is Ralph Martin, President of Renewal Ministries, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Salt and Light TV. You can read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. But now it's time for... What Our Kids Teach Us with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Happy spring, Pedro. Happy, yeah, I know, spring. Spring, spring, spring has sprung. So what have you learned uh, from your kids this week? Well, from, specifically from Joseph, I've learned that even when we think he's not listening, he's actually listening. Uh-huh. It's up to us to do the listening yes. and figure out when he's listening. <laughs> so okay. for us, it has to do with prayer time and and me not really knowing how much of it is sinking in. Like at, at bedtime, we'll... We read, we, he calls it the chapter book. We read a little bit from his children's Bible. And he pays a great attention to that. But then when it takes, when we turn to actually saying a prayer, he gets all squirmy. He doesn't really want to participate. And you're just thinking, what is the point of this? He's not even paying attention. Yeah. And then we also try, you know, if he misbehaves and has a time out, we try to incorporate a prayer in that as well. But that's always met with resistance. And he just... Again, not wanting to cooperate. And so yeah. I was just getting to the point of, okay, I think I just need to overhaul this because it's not working. What else can I take a look at? But then one day, actually just this past week, Joseph was starting, um, it's uh, called Building on Books. It's a two-hour drop-off program uh-huh. um, that we take him to and they read a book and then they do crafts and activities based on that book. Mm-hmm. And he was so nervous on the drive. He kept telling me he didn't want to go. Mommy, I'm nervous. And so... <laughs> I reached to the back seat, and I was holding his hand, and I said, do you want to sing a song? And yes, he wanted to sing a song. And Do you want to say a prayer? Yes, Mommy, let's say a prayer to help calm him down. So then when we got to the class, and I was able to drop him off and leave for the two hours, and when I went to pick him up, he was just bubbling over with all the things they had done that day, and he was very Mm -hmm. excited to tell me about the book they'd read and the crafts and the activities. And then after a silence, pause, he said, when I'm nervous, I just ask Jesus to hold my hand, and then I feel better. And I thought, oh my gosh, like I never put it in that terms. I never told him to ask Jesus to hold his hand. Mm-hmm. I just kept, kept, we just kept it doing what we were doing with the prayer time and the talking about Jesus. And somehow it clicked with him, and it made sense. And it was just this, this moment while well, I was crying. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. You're making me cry now. <laughs> <laughs> but it just made me realize, okay, I, I don't necessarily need an overhaul. I don't need to stop what we're doing. I just need to be consistent because he's obviously picking up on it and and they are listening. Yeah, it's even true. when we think they're not. They absolutely was understanding something. So yeah. and it's so nice to picture that that Jesus is holding his hand. And it made me realize too that when I can't be with him, you know, those two hours of the week when he's on his own in his class, I mm-hmm. might not be with him, but Jesus still is. Mm-hmm. And so for a mom, that just made me relax a bit, too, because I was <laughs> I was just as nervous dropping him off as he was going. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's got someone there with him, and I don't need to worry. That's a great lesson, because sometimes we, I, I've been thinking, how old is he? He's four? He's three. He's three, and yeah. you, you kind of underestimate how much a three-year-old can understand and how yeah. much he's able to verbalize. Yeah, especially the concept of 
you know, just ask Jesus for help. If you need some help, ask Jesus. He's your best friend. And, and you start to think, well, to us that might make sense, but to a little kid, he's probably wondering, well, where is Jesus? Yeah, no, <laughs> what, so, what do you mean he's going to help me? Right, exactly. But he still was able to pull something out of that and, and find comfort yeah. in it. So, yeah, yeah pretty the, cool. the other side of the coin is that sometimes you think they're not listening and you would rather they weren't listening and then they are. <laughs> <laughs> like you're on the phone with somebody. Um, so, yeah, it's Trey. One of the greatest uh, expressions I've ever heard about parenting is that lessons aren't taught, they're caught. Yeah. And, and that's what you're talking about. The kids, yeah. they're, they're absorbing, they're listening, they're, they're, they're listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Hooray. They are listening, even when you think they're not. <laughs> exactly. Good. So th- that's a great lesson. Thank you, Jillian. Well, thank you. Um, uh, again, uh, as always, Jillian Cantor with what her kids have taught her. Uh, her son, Joseph, who's three. She has Henry, who is one. Uh, one? One, yep. He's one and uh, one on the, on, on the, on the way. <laughs> on the way. So yep. Jillian Cantor, she's also the producer of the Salt and Light TV program Mothering, Full of Grace, and she's also a wife of David. Yeah, don't forget that. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chris Dimitrenko, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And you can also download it free off iTunes. And here now is Sheridan with our diocesan update. Hello, everyone. Calling All Church Communicators, the eighth professional seminar for church communicators, is being held April the 16th to the 18th in Rome. In Rome? Yes. This event is hosted by the School of Church Communications for the Pontifical University of the Holy Cross. And you can register online. Their deadline for registration is March 31st. So that's fast approaching in the next week. Uh, more information is available at bib26.pusc.it. And again, this seminar will be held in Rome, Italy, April the 16th to the 18th at the School of Church Communications for the Pontifical University of the Holy Cross. And I'm sure that anyone who's in the business of church communications probably knows about it. You should go. But I'm wondering if people who are also in communications, but maybe not diocesan communications, but but are involved in the church somehow, mm-hmm. a pro-life group or something, maybe they're, uh, they should go as well, consider going. Maybe it's an opportunity for them to Absolutely. network with other communicators and uh, and. Uh, and learn. Yeah, and get a universal sort of um, a, a better perspective on things. Absolutely. We're big in communications here on uh, Salt and Lake. Absolutely. And in Notre Dame, and that's Indiana, USA, the Justice Craft uh, 2012 seminar will be held at St. Mary's, Notre Dame. And that's going to be Sunday, June the 3rd through to Sunday, June the 10th. And the Justice Cross Seminar, for those who don't know, is an intensive week-long seminar, and it's sponsored by the Sisters of the Holy Cross and the Holy Cross International Justice Office. And for those who don't know, this seminar is for religious and lay persons who want to develop skills and strategies that enable them to lead and coordinate effective justice ministries uh, in their parishes or on the college campuses. So basically, during this week, participants will be engaged in a broad range of sort of interactive sessions, and then they'll, at the end of all of this, leave the you know leave the seminar uh-huh. with the practical, proven models and strategies to to implement these effective um, justice ministries in in their parishes. Okay. So uh, the deadline to reserve your spot is May the 11th for this year's program, which runs June the 3rd through to the 10th in Notre Dame in Indiana, USA. Okay. So uh, you can make your reservation and contact uh, Dana Taylor at dtaylor at cscsisters.org or visit 
the sisters website at cscsisters.org. Okay. Okay, so in Nova Scotia, Halifax, there's also going to be a pro-life conference called Abortion, the Battle of Our Age on April the 14th. And that's just uh, shy of four weeks from now. It's hosted by Campaign Life Coalition. Mm -hmm. And basically, they're inviting us to get inspired, get equipped, and take action to defend life. Right. And this conference is basically to help you to become an effective pro-life witness. The registration for this is only $40 for the day, and that includes lunch and refreshments, and a copy of Dr. Margaret Somerville's CD, oh The good. Case Against Euthanasia. Nice. So the speakers will include Ruth Lobo, Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform, mm -hmm. and Jim Hughes, National President of Campaign Life Coalition, among many others. And once again, that's going to be in Halifax, Nova Scotia, at Canadian Martyrs Catholic Church on April the 14th. For more information, you can visit CL clcns.com slash defend life 2012. Yeah, great. So CLC Canadian, uh, sorry, Campaign Life, life Coalition, Coalition, Nova, Nova Scotia. Scotia. Um, that's great. Again, if you're in the area in the East Coast, or even if you're not in the East Coast, but you uh, are a, an avid pro-lifer, you should uh, aim to go to this. That's great. Okay, and in we'll end off in Ontario. Yes. And the Sarah Club of Hamilton, Ontario, mm. will once again honor the priests and religious sisters in the Diocese of Hamilton nice. who are celebrating their 50th anniversary right. of their ordinational final vows. And I think that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, this dinner will take place on the evening of Tuesday, May the 1st, in Hamilton. And the cost is $55 per person. For more information, you can contact 905-383-9772 or email Annie Dunn. So that's A-N-N-I-E dot D-U-N-N at shore.ca. And uh, this is just an annual celebration um, celebrating the priesthood, religious life in general, and uh, definitely worthwhile supporting. So that's all for that's this week. That's good, and we support the Sarah Club. And you know what? Uh, it's probably easy to find the Sarah Club in Hamilton. If you're in Hamilton, you probably have heard of the Sarah Club and uh, lots of great stuff happening there, and it's important to support our priests. Absolutely. Okay, good. Thank you very much, Sheridan. Coming up in our second half hour, a chat with authors Brett Salkeld and Leah Perot about their book, How Far Can You Go?, and a featured chat with Joe Zambone. So don't go anywhere. What does the Catholic Church say about sex and dating? Wondering how you can guide your kids without embarrassment? How amazing would it be to have a fun and easy-to-read book that teaches teens about sexual relationships in simple language? Authors Leah Perot and Brett Salkeld's book, How Far Can We Go?, is a clear, practical guide on sex and dating in the Catholic Church that every teen should read. Look for it at your local bookstores or order it online at Amazon.com. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio Part 2. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Do you know what the Catholic Church teaches about sex and dating? Are you wondering how you can guide your kids in an embarrassment-free way? Are you looking for a fun and easy-to-read book that teaches teens about sexual relationships in a simple and direct language? Well, that book exists, and it's called How Far Can We Go?, and authors Brett Salkeld and Leah Perot join me now on the phone. Welcome, you guys, to Salt and Light Radio. Thanks, Pedro. Hey. So why did you write this book? Um, when we went to university, we, uh, like other young people, were asking this question for ourselves. Why, why is it that the Church says we can't have sex before we get, uh, get married? Um, agreeing that that was a good idea, how do we live this out? Mm -hmm. And we found that we were asking this question, and as we started to speak to young people, they were also asking this question. 
but nobody was giving us solid answers. We usually heard one of two responses, the first being, um, just don't touch each other, that, uh-huh. that'll, that'll help, yeah. and the second being some variation of, uh, you can go this far, and they would give us a line, and then we had no reasons, and we thought, there's, there's got to be a better way to do this. Okay, so let me just uh, back up a little bit, Brett. You and Leah actually went and did talks with young people? Right. So the first, actually, we were invited to do a talk, and the, the topic wasn't specified. I said, so, like, what might we talk about? They said, well, the only thing that's, that we've done so far for this group, or that we're planning on doing, is uh, one of the parents thinks we have to do a sex talk. Mm. So the, this dad is going to do a sex talk, but he's really nervous. He doesn't want to do it, but he thinks that he has to. <laughs> and I said, oh, oh, we'll do that one. <laughs> so actually, we, we prepared for that by sending the kids a questionnaire and saying, like, what do you want to know? And they like almost all of them said, how far can we go? Right. Uh, so we prepared our first talk kind of for those, those young people. And since then, we've been doing these talks. And actually, one of the things that led to the book was someone would be at the talk, like a parent or something would be at a talk, and they would say, oh, my daughter or my son would have loved this, but they had badminton practice tonight, or for whatever reason, they couldn't be here. Uh-huh. Do you have something I can take home for them? Do you have a video? Do you have a book? And we always had to say no. And, uh, and then we started thinking, well, maybe, maybe we could write a book, you know? Right. Okay. Uh, badminton? Seriously? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, and I know because I do sex talks too, and I know that that's a question, how far can you go? And I don't want to give away too much about the book because I want people to buy it and to read it. But is there an answer? How far can we go? Well, it, in a way, I would, I would say there's two kinds of answers. The first answer is there's a couple of clear things that the church says you shouldn't do uh-huh. if you're not married, right? Um, you shouldn't have sex, and you shouldn't do things that make it impossible not to have sex or that sort of fake sex in yeah. some way. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, the Church doesn't have real clear teaching, but what the Church does have is an understanding of human relationships where your physical intimacy should match the rest of your intimacy. So if you're married, you should go all the way because you've given your whole self in all the other aspects of your, of your life. So... We need to teach kids how to kind of read what kind of relationship they're in, you know. A couple of 14-year-old kids just getting to know each other aren't in the same kind of relationship as an engaged couple or, you know, some young professionals who are starting dating who could be married within a couple years if all goes well. Yeah. So we're teaching people how to answer, you know, what kind of relationship is this and and then uh, what kind of things are appropriate within a a broad range. uh, Right. You know, with a few key things that the church says no. Okay. Um, but there are all kinds of other things. How do we express ourselves with our bodies? What does it mean when I hug somebody? What does it mean when we hold hands? What does a light kiss mean? What does a deeper kiss mean? And how does that fit with things like, does someone listen to me? Yeah. Uh, do I get along with someone's parents? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, and that's what I really like about this book, that it's, uh, I like the fact that it was, it, that, that, it, that it gave me an, an integrated ho- per, a person, human person. So Leah, I don't, again, I don't want to give too much, but you, you look at um, how people relate, and I don't remember all of them, but socially, emotionally, sexually, physically. Can you explain a little bit about how that works and why that's a good approach with young people? Sure. Um, one of the things that we noticed right away when we started working with young people is that they have really good instincts in all the rest of their relationships, right? They know that a stranger is a stranger and you don't run up and kiss a stranger on the mouth mm-hmm. because it, it doesn't fit with 
the rest of your relationship with them. You don't know them. You've never talked to them. You don't listen to them. You don't go to church with them. You've never spent any time with them. You don't know what their hobbies are. Um, And if you do that, you're going to be socially isolated from that person. They will run away. Um, But as soon as young people have hormones involved, it's like they forget all of the things that they naturally do to integrate their physical relationships with people with the rest of their life. Uh So one of the things I often say to teenagers is, you know, would you make out in a car with somebody who thinks that your friends are dumb, doesn't want to hear about your religion, uh, doesn't care that you like, you know, to play to play hockey and uh, won't meet your parents. Yeah. And all of the kids in the room say, of course not. Yeah. Right. So we're teaching kids how to ask the questions because, you know, as much as I'm tempted sometimes to answer their question, can I kiss, um, and just say yes or no, um, I'm not going to be there on Mm -hmm. Friday night when they're hanging out after the, the sports game or the concert or whatever to give them that answer. I need to give them the skills to answer that question in a holy way on their own. So they can figure out on their own so so that they're, because like Brett was saying, there's no black and white, how far can we go? It it depends on how long long you know the person, how old you are, what their circumstances are, whether you're engaged or not engaged, whether you're married, and, and how you relate to them physically is directly related to how you relate to them socially, emotionally. Absolutely. You know, and one of the things I remember about a presentation I gave here in Saskatoon was a young man um, had asked a question, and I had said at one point, you know, there is no church teaching on dating. And he said, what? It's only like the most important thing in my life. Why doesn't the church have teaching on this? And I said, well, it's complicated because the church is ministering to the whole world, and there are lots of ways that people find their way from stranger to spouse in the world, right, in different cultures and in different in, in different uh, ways of doing things, right? Uh-huh. Arranged marriage to dating to all these kinds of kinds of ways. Right. But what the Church does give us is this vision of marriage. And when we wrote this book, we said, if we're preparing for this vision of marriage, a partnership between two people, a man and a woman who love each other deeply and who are accompanying each other through life on the journey towards heaven, then how would we date in a way that prepares us for this kind of partnership, this kind of partnership that makes us better people because we love each other? And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Now, Brett, um, some people will say that young people have a difficulty with the church teaching, but has that been your experience when you present it to them this way? Well, one of the things... uh, that, that we hear all the time when we when we give this talk. Actually, I just gave a talk to a group of confirmation kids on Sunday, yeah. and it's become a refrain. At the end of the talk, someone stands up and says, how come no one told us this before? Yeah, seriously. So a lot of people say, you know, before you talk to me about this, I knew that the church said we shouldn't have sex, but I didn't really understand why. And I certainly didn't have any idea about what I should be doing in my relationship yeah. physically other than that. I just sort of knew that... It was generally bad, and uh, and so they feel really sort of freed by this idea uh, of understanding where sex fits in a relationship and that it belongs to this full commitment that is marriage, and that you can understand the rest of your kind of physical intimacy uh, in all kinds of relationships based on what kind of relationship they are. You know, just using we we say use your body to tell the truth mm-hmm. about what kind of relationship you're in and. My experience is when we, we talk to kids that way, they say, oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, kids are smart. 
Um, that's all the time we have, guys. But uh, I, I know, so the book is published in Canada by Novalis, but it's also right. uh, recently published in the, in the States by uh, Paulus Press, correct? That's correct. So people should be able to just go to their local Catholic bookstore, support your Catholic bookstore, and, and ask for it. If they don't have it, they should be able to order it. That's right. That's correct. But people can also uh, purchase it online at Amazon.com. That's <laughs> what a lot of people are doing nowadays. So uh, lots of options to get the book. So no excuses uh, for not getting this book. I, uh, guys, I read it when it first came out a couple years ago, and I still think it's one of the best uh, approaches to the topic of dating and relationships for young people. So good job. And, and uh, I hope that our listeners get excited about this, that they uh, not only get the book, but if you want to book Brett and Leah to do your talk, a talk, uh, I'm sure you guys are open to that as well, right? Yeah, you uh, can go to, to our <laughs> website, howfarcanwego.com, and you can contact us through there if you'd like to have us come in and do a talk at your parish or youth group or high school. Absolutely. So howfarcanwego.com. Um, thank you, guys. Uh, it's been really, really good talking to you, and uh, thanks for the good work that you're doing. Thanks so much, thanks. Pedro. Yeah, thanks, Pedro. Bye-bye. Bye. Authors Brett Salkeld and Leah Perot, the authors of the book, How Far Can We Go? As I said, you can go to their website, howfarcanwego.com. And the book is also available at, uh, it's published by Novalis in Canada and by Paulus Press in the United States. And it's also available at amazon.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Joe Zambone, with his song, Love Reaches Out. Love reaches out from tender keeping. To seek me out To redeem me
That was Love Reaches Out by Joe Zambone. Now, Joe has been on Salt and Light Radio a few times, and his music and his sound, as you have heard, is so unique. Joe has a degree in theology, and currently he's the pastoral assistant at the York University Catholic Chaplaincy, and he has a new album called Sleeper Rise, and I had a chance to speak with Joe earlier this week. Joe, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you for having me. So you have a new album. It's called Sleeper Rise. You got uh, a whole b- about ten new songs. W- w- can you tell us a little bit about the title, Sleeper? I mean, it, there's this, this whole echoes of Advent uh, about a wake o sleeper. Is that where it comes from? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I kind of drew it from one of the lines. Uh, it's from the song Love Reaches Out, and um, one of the lines I put in there is a uh, sleeper rise from the dark. The bridegroom is is waiting, mm-hmm. um, and so. I just really wanted a, a hopeful kind of title to the album because the rest of the album is not really um, necessary. It's just dealing with some, I find, some heavier content. So um, to leave like with like a more positive message, it's, it's kind of like an inv- invitation out of um, what the rest of the album is about. Do you, do you, do you, is it your sense that this album deals with heavier content than some of your other albums? Well, I just find that um, out of all the albums, I think this is like just more... Um, I always try to go a layer deeper than I have before, and so a lot of the, these stories are maybe my some of my own stories, some of them just from the stories of other people that I share with me, and um, I find yeah, I'm just maybe I'm just writing a bit more raw about like real real life that like life happens, and um, it's not always uh, you know it's not always like happy go lucky, um, right, but there's 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 sadness and there's a lot of pain that we go through so. Um, I, I really found in this mm-hmm. album that that's why I would call it heavier, heavier right. because it's just it's not like you put in to maybe pick you up on. But. Right. No, and it's like life, right? Um, I think that some of the, the people who like your music, and I would agree that that they they like it because it's, I mean, it's the kind of music that I would listen to. It's not necessarily like what you'd say praise and worship music or liturgical music or music. You know, like I talk about love songs to Jesus. Um, there's something about it that if people didn't know who you are, they might not even know that there's a, a Christian or Catholic uh, rooting to the music. Uh, do you do that on purpose, or is that just kind of the way it comes out? Um, yeah, I guess in, because I don't necessarily, I'm not, I'm not writing with the mindset of I'm doing this for liturgy or I'm doing it for this prayer gathering. Mm-hmm. It really just is like, it is a lot of just like the everyday, and so I, I kind of use just more everyday kind of language, um, which is like you said, like it, it kind of will, um, it's not that it, anything would, I, I don't think anything would contradict with like a Christian mm-hmm. teaching or anything, um, but it's not necessarily explicit. So um, I'm just using, yeah, just a very um, same way that many people just on YouTube on like popular secular radio would, would write, but just really writing, I found just at a deeper level. And, and there are then those traces of like, um, basically where I'm, using like the lens of my faith um, to look at these situations. Right. Can you give us maybe an example? We just heard Love Reaches Out. So can you maybe use that as song as an example to what you mean in terms of um, what the song deals with and, and why that's heavier content and why that um, might reflect a deeper truth or reality about how Christians see the world? <clears throat> yeah, sure. Um, Love reaches out. I, I, w- I would I would say it's one of like the more lighter songs on the album too. So it's not necessarily too deep, um, mm-hmm. in the sense of like just um, 
because I, I just was writing more about a lot of like pain that kind of goes on later on. But really, the, the, the reason too it's at the beginning of the album is because it's for myself the song is about really like what is love, you know? And love is something that like it reaches out, it, it goes out from tender a tender place that it, it could stay in itself, but love always has the other as the the, the interest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so this is kind of like sets the stage for the rest of the album, I find, because we have to first like understand what is love. Um, and then once we start going through these other experiences in our life, we always then can come back to like, okay, well, love isn't always easy. Love is going to take me out of where it's comfortable. Um, but really for me to really know what love is, um, I have to be willing to get hurt. I have to be willing to sacrifice. Um, and so for me, that's what that that love kind of is the second song on the album and mm-hmm. it kind of it prepares the way for let's okay you if you have this in place then we can go to a deeper level with the rest of the songs how do you how do you approach an album like th- like you were just saying it sounds like you you thought about it i'm going to put this song second because it kind of we can't listen to the other ones until we kind of root ourselves into what love re- do you think of the whole album as a whole or were you writing kind of songs and then thought, yeah, these songs would work together as an album. How, how does that process for you? When I, uh, I think when I, w- I didn't necessarily write the album as a concept album of like I'm trying to take people on a journey. It's more like I, I, I had some songs, um, and I felt the, the theme of it was starting to come together, and so that's how maybe some songs got um, put on the shelf for maybe another album. Uh-huh. And then when I decided, like, okay, I want to have these 12 songs on the album. How can I take them on a journey? Um, that it won't, you know, it really, it's, re- it's really leading somewhere. Um, and so then intentionally putting songs in certain positions one after another right. that I, I'm thinking of like how they begin, how they leave a person, and then not just like leaving them there, but then that it can move to another place. Um, so, so that's kind of how that song got placed um, in, in the rest of the album. Um, one of the songs in the album, you also uh, made a music video out of it. Uh, why, why was it important for you to, I mean, I don't know if your hope is to make a ton of music videos, but why that particular song that you picked? Well, it's it's interesting because originally that the name of that song that we did a music video to, why this had to be, um, I was actually going to name the album that because I felt it was more appropriate of like, because I feel the album is, has to do with a lot of questions, Mm. um, looking at like our own life and kind of like what we go through. And really asked that question. Um, I ended up picking Sleeper Rise because I felt it was the whole more hopeful full side of it. Um, and I think so. The reason I chose that song was really um, I felt there's a really strong message in it, um, and I, I wanted to like I wanted to get people thinking about yeah, like you know, you don't always know where a person is broken. You don't always know what they're going through um, because I think we all have those why questions if we sit down with mm-hmm. ourselves. Maybe. We don't think about them every day, but um, some people do think about them every day. Um, but then to see that, like, okay, like, how is that then, like, affecting the way that you live? Like, um, are, and are you really seeking the answer for that? Um, and just really, I guess, too, the, the journey of, like, that it's a, it's a community thing, seeing that you're not the only person who has these things that you can move. Again, uh, how the, the name of the album is an invitation out that even to like okay you might have these why questions that you don't have quite the answers to um but then seeing that other people as well have those questions and and it's hopefully an invitation into community yeah um, and out of like the isolation that we can 
get no, trapped it's, in. It's, that's so true, and you really get the sense of that from watching watching the video, that that we're not alone in asking the questions, and that that's a question that everybody asks. And you don't have to be Catholic or Christian or or of any religious affiliation to to go. Th- I mean, we all do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, even just hearing you, what you were saying now. There's just something about that song, and it really is really obvious in the video, that makes me think that it's like a bigger, it's not just a song that has a message, but it's like a larger kind of philosophy of life, almost. Um, how much of that is the Joe Zambone kind of philosophy of life? And maybe it's Joe Zambone right now. Yeah, it could be. Like, I think, I think that's definitely like how I'm really starting to, to see, because... Um, you know, a big theme in that song when I was writing it was my own question. You know, like I, you know, I, many people don't know about, you know, I was born with like some of my fingers webbed together. Mm. And then, you know, it's something that you, you know, anyone who's kind of born with something that's like a physical deformity or whatever, you know, it's always like, well, why, what's the purpose of my life with this in my life or Mm. whatever type of like, you know, handicapped or whatever. And like you, you're trying to seek and find like the purpose and meaning to it. So for me, it started with my own question. Um, but then through the album, like I just, I started to hear more of other people's stories. And then like, that's how a lot of other songs got written. And then I realized that, you know what, like my, you know, I, yes, I had that in my life and, you know, I'm starting to find the answers to it, like why it did have to be in my life. But I know that there's many, many other people who have much more worse things to worry about or are concerned with than, you know, my own life with, like, my hands being webbed together, that there's a lot of, like, very um, wounded people, um, wounded friends, and so um, that's kind of, it has become, in a way, my own philosophy is just to, um, just trying to get to know other people better and to hear their story. Um, and then hopefully journey together to a better place. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting also that why this had to be, it's not so much a question as, as an answer, as a statement. Mm. This had to be because this is why this had to be. Um, uh, it, um, just to close off, I don't want to leave you without asking you what's coming up next for you. Because uh, I know you're having a couple uh, uh, album release concerts coming up in Toronto and in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. So what are the dates of those? So I'm going to... the. The very first night uh, the CD will come out, it's gonna, we're going to actually do it in Ottawa. Um, that'll be Friday, April the 13th at the Shankman Arts Centre. Um, and then the following night, the Saturday, the 14th of April, um, we'll be coming to Toronto uh, and playing at the John Candy uh, Box Theatre. Okay, good. So if people want to find out more about that, that or about, actually, if you want to find out anything about Joe Zambone, they should just go to your website, joezambonemusic.com. Perfect, yep. So April, Friday the 13th, good good choice. Oh, yeah, yeah you know, uh, I'm trying to dispel any uh, superstition in the world there, so I'm just going just gonna to tackle it straight on. So. Yeah, after the concert, we're going to ha- then talk about why this had to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, Joe, it's been great uh, talking to you. Um, always have always loved your music, and you're doing great work, and I know that the work that you're doing uh, with young people and with the message is, is very much appreciated, so thank you so much for sharing it with us today. Thanks again for having me, Pedro. You're welcome. That was Joe Zambone earlier this week. If you're in the Ottawa area, remember, April 13th 
And if you're in the Toronto area, the concert will be on April 14th. You can get all the information that you need at joezambonemusic.com. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light radio programs at saltandlighttv.org radio. That's also where we post links to our artists or guests. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org. You can follow us on Twitter at saltandlighttv. And remember to go to Facebook and like us. Thank you for your generosity, for your prayers. We cannot do this work without your support. So thank you. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio. And here now to take us out is Joe Zambone with Why This Had to Be. You don't know where I'm breaking. You don't know Maddie and Mother. Me to wanna be.